What is good, y'all? It is your boy, Jonathan Dumas. This is the Highly Visible and Little Misunderstood podcast. And you might be thinking, didn't we just hear from you like just a couple days ago? And yes, you did. Um, I had so many wonderful people that I wanted on the show that I decided to make this theme a little bit longer. So you're going to be getting a lot of episodes um, over the next few weeks. Um, and I didn't want them to run into January uh, because I didn't want to do that. Uh, so uh, over the next few weeks, you might hear a couple drops, and those will be on a Tuesday and a Thursday. I'm going to try my best to have those there. But anyways, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Allison Conoshiro. If you haven't listened, if you haven't heard that conversation just yet, check that out. It was so fun talking about education. She even asked me questions about my ADHD, how it uh, how it happened within my educational journey, all the things, and you might even discover something about yourself. That was a really fun conversation. That That's dope. Go check it out if you haven't listened to it already. Um, this week, I'm talking to my other business owner friend, Ashby Patel, uh, who is also a fellow coach who is really on a mission for folks to do things with ease, to do things with um, a lightness. And it's it was a joy talking with Ashmeen, I'm really excited for y'all to check out what she does, why she does what she does. And plus, we're both career coaches. We also both have a higher ed background, so it was really fun chatting about that and how that kind of uh, works in our work. (laughs) But as always, want to just lead off with just a few pod logistical things. First things first, um, there are so many wonderful ways uh, to support this show outside of just listening. The first one is support us financially. You know, we have a Patreon page where you can support um, us monthly. There's a $3 tier, $5 tier, and a $10 tier. And then there is also a coffee page where you could do a one-time donation. Shout out to my homie Jay Bird for um, buying me a coffee. (laughs) Uh, But if you want to do that, both of those links, you can find them inside the show description. The second way to support the show and to be caught up on everything that's going on with the pod, you can actually join our email list. Uh, We have an email list um, that we're going to be really putting a lot of attention to coming into the new year. Really excited about some of those things. And we'll send you a free gift if you join that email list. So what you're going to go ahead and do is uh, click on that link, share some info, and we will send you um, our inaugural stickers and the first hundred people that sign up for our email list will get that and then finally if you haven't already please and i mean this please 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 rate the show subscribe to the show leave us a review all those things help they really really do and i read all of them um so i thank you so much we got five stars everywhere so you know i'm not asking you to leave a five star you know leave your honest opinion it just so happens you know what i'm saying everybody comes in leaving a five star review what what can i say what can i say anyways there is no highly visible story of the week this week because um i'm doing obviously dropping two shows and there's a lot going on in the news and i didn't have enough time uh i didn't want to invest the time to learn a story, write a script, and then do it. Just FYI, that's the I'm gonna be keep it real with y'all. So we're just gonna dive into my conversation with Ashmi. All right, y'all, here it is. All right, well, we are here. We are live. Ashmi, thank you so much for coming on. Um, really, really excited to have you on the show. Welcome, welcome. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Um... Yeah, honestly, I've just been really excited about this. So it's good. It's not a million degrees in Dallas. Nice. And that always makes me happy. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I talked to uh, 
my pops is in Texarkana. What is that? Is that what it's called? Architect. Okay. Yeah, whatever. And so he was in Texarkana. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, and uh, he was in Fort Worth, and he said it was the hottest thing he's ever experienced. Um, just, just so so hot. So, um, yeah, I I don't like being hot like that. So <laughs> it's, it's worse. <laughs> well, then don't move to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, trust I I will not. I I've seen the the heat maps uh there recently. It's just like when it's deep like blood red, that's that's I'm all right, man. I'm good. Um but yo, so let's let's talk about you. We're we're doing this theme on entrepreneuring while BIPOC. I am been loving the conversations that I've had with folks, just hearing their different, you know, journeys, everything like that. Um and one question that I've been consistently asking is like, you know, share who you are, what you do you know, favorite color, all the things. Um, yeah. So who are you? Yeah. I mean, that's such a broad question. And I find, I was like just talking to someone earlier today about like, I struggle with that question because it can go in any different direction. But, you know, we are talking about being entrepreneurs. So I'll take kind of that angle to it. Um, I'm Ashmi Patel, like I mentioned, based in Dallas, Texas. I'm, um, I'm first-gen Indian American. So my parents immigrated here from India in the 80s. Um, I'm a neurodivergent millennial woman. And then, you know, just a little bit about me, like if I had to describe myself, I would say I'm deeply curious, easily excitable, (laughs) a deep feeler Mm. and a constant daydreamer. And I feel like that kind of just like captures my vibe, Mm. how, like how I spend my time. You know, I really like to read. I love music. You and I have like connected over our, love for music oh yes um i really like art and then um you know like if i ever have free time or when i travel a lot you'll find me in a garden museum or a library i would say that pretty much sums up <laughs> who i am nice. nice 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 um on the like business side i'm a life coach for millennial folks of color mm. and I, what I do, I just try to help people break free from survival mode burnout and overwhelm and get towards a life that has more ease, space and choice. And so I always say I'm about soft accountability and slow journeys. Mm. So whenever I'm like talking to my clients, I'm like, if you're into the tough love, you're not going to get it here. Like I'm more about loving yourself and giving yourself grace. Mm. And um, are you familiar with the social change map by Deepa Iyer? I am not. Um, give me, give me some more. Yeah, to break that down. So she does a really good job of. Um, she has like ten different categories of like the type of, like of how you can identify within the social change map. So like for me, I identify as a guide, a caretaker, and a storyteller. Hmm. So like that's how I approach my work, and like I'm just trying to create a community of care by using my experiences, my creative energy, and my vulnerability hmm. to help other folks of color feel safe, unmask, show up in the world the way they want to. Um, so yeah, that's like my little spiel about who I am and how I like to show up. I love that. I love that. And I purposely asked that question to like start off our time um, and it being more intentionally open-ended because I think one, well, it serves a purpose because it's like some people are like, well, give me a little bit more direction and I do that. But others, it's like, I think 
what bubbles up to the surface is like those parts of you that you want to share with the world that are close to you. Um, and I love just the breakdown of different aspects of you, not only how they interlace with with you as a person, but like now you as a business owner, but now that these two things are not necessarily separated, they're like still, there's just like this intertwining work that's going on. And I, I really, really do. I really do love that. I really, really do love that. So sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about, okay. So you said something and I saw it in your bio as well um, about like a life of uh, with space, ease and choice. And I just really want to like dive into that a little bit more because I resonate with that that message, and I feel like I feel like millennials, us millennials, are are really re- resonating with that. Um, and so I'm curious, could you like share more about what that is, how that shows up in your work, how that shows up in your life? Yeah, um, thanks for asking about that. I love talking about it because it's I picked those three words specifically because I do find that. Like I found that me and my friends and other millennials around me didn't have that. Like I think a lot of us, especially, you know, folks of color, children of immigrants, getting into adulthood would like wake up and look at our lives and say, oh, like I didn't necessarily choose this life. I followed all of the things that people told me I should do and all of the things I should have been. And now I'm like living this life that just doesn't feel authentic. Mm-hmm. And then um, the ease and the space are just words that really resonate with the kind of life I'm trying to build. Mm. And a lot of people that I talk to are trying to build are just like having space to actually be present and enjoy the things that you have in your life, or just even having the space to figure out what isn't working. Because a lot of times you might know things aren't working, but you're just like on, you're just like moving so fast that you can't even look around and figure out what pieces aren't working because mm. you ha- you're like constantly going to the next thing. And the ease is just more about, you know, I think life is hard on its own. Like life is just hard for most people. Um, and I'm not in the business to make it harder. I would like to make it easier for myself <laughs> and for others. And I think that's where the ease comes from. So, yeah. I love, I really enjoy that too. And I think about one of the very first bits of tips that I got from a friend of mine who's been a coach for a, a little while already and a business owner. She said, the number one thing that I would tell myself when I first started is like to celebrate the little wins. Um, and she had shared that like every, I just feel like I'm constantly grinding that like even all of the wins that I did have like I did they didn't mean anything to me like I didn't pay attention to, it's not that it didn't mean anything but like I didn't pay attention to them not even providing space and I think about that in the grander context of just life right of like I don't know how we got to a point where we don't even celebrate like the cool things that happen in our lives I have to be reminded of the cool stuff that I I've done in my life or done or accomplished um and like how sometimes I just feel like, damn, I haven't done anything. Like, damn, like I, I've, I've wasted this time. But like there's there's a, there's something to creating space and like just being in there to like reflect on your own journey, not even just your own accomplishments, but where where have you where what have you overcome? Where have you been? And even just like just to be. There's just something about that just being part that I've I'm leading into in this season of life um, personally. So I love that there's like these 
these themes that just like we we need this like space ease choice yeah yeah and like listening to you talk you know you're mentioning like you said the phrase this is my coach hat is like it's on yeah go ahead a couple things you said coach going coach coach going coach like (laughs) (laughs) exactly um you're like you know like we don't celebrate our small wins and so a lot of times we'll be like what did I even do or accomplish and that time was wasted and I think I'm trying to help myself and just like anyone else around me to reframe to be like what did I learn Mm -hmm. because we're so obsessed with like outcomes and products and being productive and all those things and it's like even if you don't necessarily have something like in quotes tangible to show Mm -hmm. you definitely learned something in the process because we're always learning and we're always absorbing Mm. and I feel like I'm trying to reframe the question for myself of like what did I learn rather than what did I like do produce or achieve because um because we also don't celebrate learning and growing and evolving Mm, mm, mm. that's so good yeah i um (laughs) now that you say that 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 reminds me of like yeah that's a anti-capitalist like mindset too that you're like leaning into of like there is a phrase and i can't i I can't i want to give credit to this person and i'll probably probably share it as a resource in the production notes um but basically there's like these phrases that are just like anti-capitalist. And one thing is to like do something for the joy of doing it, like create for the joy of creating, like without like the purpose of outcomes. And I love this idea of even coupling that of like, what did I learn or not learn? Like there's just, just something about like doing yeah. something just because it like makes you happy. And like, I think for me, that's podcast when I, when I introduce myself now, I introduce myself in like buckets of passion and like this, the first bucket is always the podcast because like, this is something that I legitimately do because I'm passionate about it and I enjoy it. Um, and like literally ad reads, I don't, I mean, I have a sponsor, I've had sponsors before and I have, and I have people that support the show, but like, this is not something that's going to like pay my bills you know what i'm saying like <laughs> it pays for itself yeah. um and to, i'm gonna keep it funky with everybody um ads uh, unless you are a big show or like have a certain amount of downloads a month or whatever like it is i mean it is very difficult to be like it's hard to make money in podcasting like legitimately it's literally a passion project and i think i continue to do it because like i do this because it like is life-giving to me i do this because like it's it excites mm-hmm. me i get to meet people i have fun but it's definitely not for the money. Um, and like, I think a part of it is like, there's an impact too for folks who share, like we talked and you're like, you like the show. Somebody I talked to earlier today said it's a really good show. And I'm like, that makes me so happy. It just makes my heart just light up of like, thank you. Um, I'll, to a certain extent, I feel like uh, an artist, like creating, well, no, I am an artist. I'm a creative, creating something. And sometimes nine times out of 10, I'm not going to receive or hear or like, see the impact of what I'm creating and putting on the internet. I think when you said that, that's what comes up for me is just like, do because like, do because it like gives you life, not because you are going to receive anything out of it, which I think that there's something to that. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to take that back. And also thanks for pointing out that that's like an anti-capitalist way of looking at it. Cause I'm always trying to build an anti-capitalist business, but the fact that you're, the fact that we're all doing it in a capitalistic society is always just like really hard mm-hmm. um so it was helpful to hear that like reflected back 
design yeah. language. So thanks. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to try and find that um, thing because a client sent it to me when we were talking about this of just trying to break a, break away from it and like the things that we do for mm-hmm. for fun. Because I think I'm – there's something about what you share and even like the heart of it that like I think resonates with me on another level too where I I think back to like when I was a kid and I didn't think about like why I did some of the things like I wasn't thinking about making money or how many people are going to see this or whatever. I just, I just collected, you know, baseball and football cards, whatever. Like I just, I just played Pokemon. I just, I just did these things. I played baseball, not to impress me because like I legitimately had fun doing it. It made me happy. It gave me joy. And so how do we, yeah, I'm, I'm, I I think when I think about anti-capitalism, I think I'm, constantly trying to get back to that like childlike wonderment um of little Jonathan mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying just like I want I, I just want to do stuff because yeah. I'm just it's, it's fun as hell you know yeah I mean that's why I added the easily excitable when I describe myself mm, mm. because I am and I spent so much of my life trying to like mask that because mm. part of it my excitability comes from my ADHD, which I didn't know I had until my early 30s. Mm. And and then, so like the combination of masking neurodivergency along with masking like childlike um, traits. So I was just like dampening my excitability all over the place. Mm. And then I was like, this is so silly. Like, first of all, that's what makes life fun. Yes. It's when you are excited, like excited about things. Yeah. And yeah, like when you start, when you're like, you collected baseball cards and stuff. And I was like, like, I think for me, what came to mind is like being a fangirl or just like my newest, like whatever I'm hyper fixating on on any given day. I like want to talk to anybody about it. Yep. And, and I'm like, that's actually nothing to be embarrassed about. Cause one, it shows that I'm just like forever curious Mm. and that like, I'm able to like commit to something because I love it. And that is something I'm proud of. Yeah. So here's to us being childlike and finding the joy in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, like there's nothing wrong with being boring and also boring could be a very, is it subjective or objective? I always get confused, but it's just like, it's just, yeah, yeah, it's like, I'm just not interested in that. Like if you were to take me to, Mm. you know what would be something i'm not interested in like legitimately not interested in <laughs> the only thing i can think of is watching paint dry on the wall yeah that's what people <laughs> describe as yeah like legitimately and, and to some <laughs> aspects of that like you know i probably would find it interesting because it might if a painter told me and it was like, yeah, yes, this paint same. dries. This paint dries, and it changes the color. And so you have to know like the timing and pl- and pay attention to it. I'd be like, what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So there's like certain. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's there's things that probably bore me, but it's just like it. it I don't know. I, I think that there's. We're, we're talking to both of us are two like lifelong learner, curious people. It's so funny. I'm trying to think, I, and I can't think of something that's like just. I just am so bored by, but. There's a running joke uh, between me and my partner um, in that, like, when we go out to eat, if there's TV in there, I can't I can't be in line of the TV. 
because I'll watch it. And it doesn't matter what's on, telenovela or um, like an interesting <laughs> commercial or whatever. It doesn't, I mean, cricket could be on that mug and I'm going to watch it. Cricket's actually dope. Um, what, what a pickleball. That's something I don't understand pickleball. But like, there's just all these different mm-hmm. things, whatever. Like, I'm still going to watch it. So I have to be on the opposite side because like, I'll just be engrossed in it. And I'll be like, wow, well, that's <laughs> interesting. C-SPAN. I'll watch C-SPAN and still be interested in what's going on. So, um, but anyways, uh, tangent but it's just like there whatever like the thing is i don't even want to use the word boring but it's just like it just you know it just doesn't interest that individual person we're not going to talk about us we're taking ourselves out of this equation apparently we're everything interests us but uh, i think other people it's just whatever it's 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 whatever you just you're going to find your thing um that interests you and like you'll be engrossed in it and like that's completely okay to be engrossed in that thing and just spend hours doing that thing and it not have yeah. an objective it's like there is no objector. It's just fun. Like, that's it. That's all we need. Yeah. 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 Ah, my gosh. Um, so uh, you used to be or currently are still in higher education. Is that is that it? I'm transitioning out, I would say. Okay. But yes, I did work in higher ed for a while. Nice. Shout out higher ed folks. I am also former yeah. higher ed. Um so fun yeah what <laughs> oh god um <laughs> what made you uh what made you want to do the transition into entrepreneurship besides all of the dope things you've already shared yeah i think i just didn't want to work for anyone else anymore <laughs> feel that um i also like, you know, when you deeply know that there's something inside of you that you need to share with the world. And I think I always thought that I would have this moment where like everything clicked and then I'd be able to share the thing. Mm-hmm. And I think I got tired of waiting for that moment for things to just click and was mm. like, well, why don't I just give it a shot now? Um. And I also want a life that isn't focused. Like, I don't want to build my life around work. I want work to fit around my life. Mm. And when you're in, like, a very typical nine to five, it's just it just felt impossible to do anything outside of work. Mm. And that was not a life that I wanted. And, you know, like, I really want to live abroad. I really want to travel. I really want to spend time with people when I want to. Like, I can take long lunches right now and not feel bad about it. I spend so much more time with the people I love. Mm. And I, so I wanted all of that freedom. And I was like, I think starting my own business is the only way to, like, really get that. And then I also, you know, like, I found coaching. And that just really felt like, all of the things that I wanted to and needed to be doing. Mm. Um, And also like the style of coaching I do is pretty, you know, like I, I don't do the type of coaching that's like career coaching or is going to like help somebody climb the corporate ladder or any of that. And so I felt like if I did coaching within anything else besides my own business, I wouldn't be able to authentically coach Mm -hmm. somebody else. Yeah. Because the things I would be saying would 
you know, like I just wouldn't be able to have integrity and be like, I think this job is killing you, but I feel like I have to keep you at it in order to like fit within the expectations of everybody around me. Mm. Um, so that, yeah. So those are all the reasons why I was just like, I think it just makes sense to try to do my own thing mm. because it's just really hard to find something that aligns with all of the values that I was looking f- to be aligned with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I just like felt it on the inside that it was just like time to take the leap. Mm. What did that feeling feel like for you? I think for me it was I would rather try now and have it not work and then have to go back and get a job than be at a job and constantly be thinking, well, what if I had my own business? Mm. What if I had my own business, right? Like that what if I think would have just like killed me on the inside Mm. rather than trying this and then being like, oh, this is too hard or I'm not making enough money or just, you know, all of the reasons. And then being like, oh, I think it makes sense for me to have to go back into the workforce because then at least it would feel like a choice and and I would have like, I would have the inner peace that I had tried what I really wanted to do. And mm-hmm. for whatever reasons at that time, it didn't work out. Um, yeah. I just didn't want to live with that. What if so? I like that. I tried. Yeah. Yeah. I, Cause there's something about that. What if it's, I don't know. You hear, you hear about when folks get to the end of their life and like the biggest I don't know if it was, I don't know if this is an actual study or whatever, but like, I've just heard some stories or whatever. And it was just like, you know, they wish they spent more time with their friends. They wish they did more things that they love. They wish they traveled more, whatever of these things that like, just make like, I'm just like, those are all the things that I want now. And like, I don't want any of those things to be my one ifs, you know what I'm saying? And something you said reminded me of a conversation I had with a family member uh, a few years ago. And I was telling them, you know, I think about work stuff. And um, and I was just saying, you know, like, I just don't, like, I don't, I want to be able to go on vacations. Like, I want to be able to, like, enjoy life and have, like, time and space. And he's from an older generation. He was like, you know, like, well, you just work hard and then you get to have the life you want, you know, after you retire. I'm like, dog, why would I wait 40 years? <laughs> why do I wait till, you know, another 30 years? And, to, and then enjoy life. Why can I do that right now? Like, why can I have this time and space and like just utilize that time now? And you literally don't have to be like uber rich to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you really don't um, to do the things that you to do the things that you really want to do. Like, I don't have to. I don't have to be super rich to spend more time with my family. You know, I don't have to be super rich to. If I want to be travel abroad, you know. You can make it happen. There's things you, there's things that you could do, right? I just don't want money to be the reason why. Yep. And like the the handcuffs to be the reason why I don't lean into that what if and try my try and and do my own thing and and create the life that I want to live now. Um and I want to do it outside of an MLM kind of like <laughs> deal. Um but uh yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, the MLMs be charged literally, you know, promise the world, those things. Anyways, um, so it's just, yeah, I resonate with that of just like not having that lingering and nagging what if in the back of my mind. 
um, as I'm trying to like live my life. Yeah. Yeah. I also early on like learned about myself that I'm not motivated by money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it just doesn't get me up in the morning. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, so I do know that whatever I end up choosing, is going to have to have much more just like, I'm going to need more intrinsic motivation than like, oh, they pay you. So you have to go. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and also like I lost a best friend of mine last year. She was only 35 Mm. and that does, that changes you. It changes the way you look at the world. And it also makes you realize that this idea that like you work hard when you're young to enjoy your life when you're old, you're making so many assumptions mm. that like you'll make it to old age, that you'll be in good enough health to enjoy all the things that you've built. You know, like we don't even know what the economy is going to be like, all this money that we've saved, like if that's even going to, just like so many assumptions in that model that like you, I was like, I want to enjoy my life now. And I don't want to make myself so sick that when I have all this money and Mm. time off that, and then just too like jaded, tired, sick to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember the times where I was still working for other folks and like how much sick time I would have or how much vacation time I would have. And I think the last year was the very first time that I took a vacation out of the country and like we just took like almost two weeks off and just like didn't work. And like, I've never done that before. And just how bad I felt initially, how like concerned I was about work. I wasn't concerned when I was in that, when I was in Tahiti, like I was not, I was unbothered when I, when I saw, when I was, you know, my feet in the water. But like, I think on the way there, I was just so, it was so hard for me to be like, I just got to, I, I, you know, I got to work. I got to do something like this is, I can't just not work. Um, what about money? But then when you're, I don't know, something shifted in me where I'm just like, bro, like this, this thing don't matter. Like it don't, I've been broke before. I've been homeless before. That is un, that does not bother me. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm un, unfazed by it. And very similar to you, I'm, I'm starting to realize, and I thought I was more, motivated by money, but I'm not, I'm really, really not. I'm motivated by like the impact that I'm making on people's lives. And like, am I having an impact in my sphere of influence? Am I doing something that matters? And do I have the space to like do the things that I enjoy? And also like, if I cannot work or don't want to work, can I do that? Um, Yeah. Easier said than done though. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And entrepreneurship on the other side has all its other things that can cause stress and anxiety and all these things. I think, yeah, I think it's just like figuring out what helps you sleep at night and what works for you and the life you're trying to build. Mm -hmm. And I think for some people having a steady paycheck does that. Yeah. You just have to know that about yourself. Yeah. And I don't know about you and your coaching practice because I feel like there is overlap in what we do. Uh, but since I specialize more in the career transition, I feel like folks try to feel or try to find like a job that really aligns. Like now that we've in my work, I like really create that space for them to even ask all these questions about what is important to you, what are your values, so on and so forth. And I feel like you do the same thing in your practice. Um, but I'm curious, like what are folks like discovering about themselves in that in those spaces? I've been like blown, pleasantly blown away with like 
just the discoveries and light bulb moments that folks have about their lives and what they want um, and what's really important to them. So I'm curious to you, like, what have you, what has been some cool aha moments that you've seen in your practice? Yeah, I mean, I think, (laughs) I always joke that my favorite aha moment is when a client's like, I don't want to work in corporate America anymore. And I'm always just like, ah, yay. (laughs) But that's, that's my, that's my joke. I do run into it a lot. You know, like I do have people who make that discovery. And I, I mean, I think part of it is I'm probably going to attract more of that clientele based off of what I put out there and just my perspective. Mm. Um, I think I have a lot of people just discover how little grace they give themselves Mm. and just how hard they are on themselves and like how much perfectionism is flavoring just like every decision and thought that they're having Mm. and and that you know can show up at work but also just not at work just the way you look at yourself in everyday life and how and how capable or incapable you think you are. Mm-hmm. And so I think like my favorite aha moment is when a client is just like, I decided not to be hard on myself about this and it is what it is. And, you know, I'm not even going to set a really hard goal. I'm just going to say, I want to do that thing. I'll do it if I can. And if I can't, I'll try again. And I had a client say that this morning and I was just like, that's, I think that's the greatest gift you can give yourself because you're allowing yourself to move through life in the way that you have the energy to show up that day. Mm. And I don't think that's something many of us are taught. I think a lot of us are taught, especially folks of color. And we don't, you know, like we don't really have the privilege to not always show up that way. Like we do have to try harder and show up in a different way. But I think within the privileges that we have, it is still possible to be nice to yourself and to have grace and to allow yourself the space to just show up as you are that day. And, you know, like the whole rest is resistance movement. Mm -hmm. Systems were designed to use our bodies to keep us down, to make sure that we're not giving ourselves grace. And so... I took your question onto a tangent, but it's all bit. I love I tangents. <laughs> I I just like really, I feel like I see my little piece of the revolution as teaching folks of color how to be nice to themselves and allow themselves to be the version that they're supposed to be, and not anything else. Not like because like even if you're an advocate, there's like so much perfectionism, and you can be really hard on yourself to like you know, do a certain version of activism or whatever. There's just like always going to be pressure around. And I think just allowing yourself to show up the way that feels right to you and to like listen to your intuition is in our society an act of resistance because we don't have systems that are, that allow that. And we don't have systems that encourage that either. Mm -hmm. So to figure that out for yourself is, resisting what other people are trying to get us to do. I 
What's interesting is that like I work with a lot of folks that are or have worked with a lot of folks that come out of the nonprofit space. And the nonprofit space is very interesting. It's very similar to higher ed because it's like there is this badge of honor for like busyness, overworking yourself, like almost like this martyrdom kind of idea. And if you have not put in the time, effort, amount of years, whatever, um, you are treated very different. And it's just so interesting to me how we are those folks. And when I was in that space, like in a helping profession, but we're in a helping profession for other people. But like when it comes to like caring for the people that help other people, it's like, nah, you got to put yourself like you're a martyr. And it's just so, it just feels so backwards to me and the toxicity that exists in there and the positive toxicity that exists in there of like perpetuating these ideas of like production and working and all these different things. And what kind of like the jadedness that, that some of these folks even experience, like passing down um, trauma from generation of what is the, what's the term of like folks working in like these people, quote unquote, people centered like professions. It's just like, why, you know what I'm saying? And and I've never really messed with that at all. And I, I think that that's why I appreciate, yeah, your approach and kind of like how you're outlining your practice, because I think it is, it does, there is something to like having someone walk you through and not push back, but reframe, you know, the language that you use about yourself and how you are, how you even see the things that you do and what you, what you produce and just like, just having somebody point out, like you've done enough and that's it. Like, I think that that's always like something that I've, that oddly surprises me um, when I when I meet with clients when they share like yeah I did this this but I'm just like oh my god I'm just so stupid and I'm like well hold on don't talk about my client like that first of all second of all like let me just share with you what you what you just shared with me you did x y x y z plus double of z then you went back and did x again then y then z because you didn't feel good about it and, and we're all we're already forty hours in you know um, of your work week. That sounds like a lot. That sounds like a lot. That sounds like enough. That sounds like more than enough um, to me. So, yeah, I just, um, I love the framing and even just that idea of just, you know, rest, being okay, being all those different things. Mm. Your work is needed, fam. <laughs> your work is, your work is you. needed. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Ashri, how did you... How did you how did you get here? Like you as a, as an individual, you, you shared a little bit of your story, but I'm curious, like you know, what what role has your identity like played in getting to this point um, in your like coaching practice and in like how you view life and how you view, you know, even work in and of itself? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like this question will help me answer some of your previous questions that I like went off on tangents on. <laughs> because <laughs> I think you know earlier you asked me like why did I choose entrepreneurship and and I think being able to honor my identities was one of the biggest driving factors for that because I just didn't feel like I could be authentic in a work setting mm. and 
I don't think I, I don't think I necessarily realized how much I was masking until I started my own business Mm. and right. And I think folks of color can totally resonate on the masking. Like you, you just learn how to code switch early on. Like I can remember the moment when I was a kid that I learned how to code switch. I didn't even teach people how to say my name right till I went to college. Um, then, and you know, then I learn I have ADHD in my thirties and I learn what masking is for neurodivergence. And I'm just like, Oh, like I mask everything. Like I mask so much. I don't even know I'm masking. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think like all of those, and then like, I'm a child of immigrants. And so like, and I'm a practicing Hindu. So mm-hmm. like growing up in Texas as a non-Christian, non-white person, Dang, you already you're, got, you already, that's a lot. That's already a lot. Right, like, <laughs> that's already a lot. <laughs> third, you're a third culture kid. You're like trying to figure out how to like honor your culture while also figuring out, because I am American, like I was born here, all those things. Mm-hmm. And there is no guidebook. There's no like, this is how you do it. There's just like a lot of expectations and opinions and like, Luckily, I had a lot of support and I had a loving family and lots of friends and all those things. But like, you're still just like kind of left on your own to figure it out and make sense of everything. Mm. And I think when I look back on my life, I'm like, oh, it was just a bunch of trial and error for me to get here. Yeah. To be able to say like, this is the life I want. This is what I'm going to build. I wish I had learned earlier on how to be nice to myself during the trial and error and not see it as like, failures and see it more as like experiments or just like trying things Mm. but you know just like a lifelong of being a people pleaser trying to be like the version of myself that I thought I needed to be Mm. like I was supposed to go to dental school that was (laughs) awful like (laughs) you know like I decided not to do that I studied religion which was like what deeply interested me but like you know getting my master's in religion was great but it was also so terrible because I had undiagnosed ADHD Mm. and I'm like in the corner of a library trying to write yeah I was about to say I didn't really know how to write like and I was just like too embarrassed to tell anybody that it was that hard for me like Mm. there's just so much shame so I just didn't tell anybody and I had just like deep anxiety and I think what got me here is going through all of that and realizing like this ain't it. I don't want to keep doing that because it is dampening the joy. And I had so like during all those times, like I still had so much joy around me. I just wasn't present in any of it Mm. because I was too tired or I was masking or I was too anxious or I was just feeling really bad about myself. Mm. And I think I got to the point where I was just like, I have a lot of really good things in my life and I don't, you know, like I don't want to miss out on the gifts I've been given and the privileges I have just because I'm too scared to show up as myself or too scared to like try and go for the life that I want. And I don't think I've ever said that until just now, but I do Mm -hmm. think that's what was happening on the inside that led me to, here that led me to say I'm going to start my own business Mm. and take a chance on myself because if I I think I got to the point where it was just like if I don't do that 
then I'm just going to keep trying to make everyone else around me happy, which is impossible. Mm -hmm. And also they love me no matter what. Like I know that's true. I think I just had to like take the chance of living my life the way I wanted and see what happens. Mm. And luckily for me, I'm very thankful that all that happened was that everyone just continued to love me because they do love me like no matter what. Mm. And on the other side, I just realized like, Oh, I can love myself in the process. There's like, Mm. because until now I wasn't loving myself in the process and that felt terrible and was not a sustainable way to continue. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. That feels yeah. like without the child of immigrant parts, that feels like very so my story. <laughs> uh, mm. That like, I remember telling my mom that I didn't want to go to law school. And, um, and it was like so hard for me. Uh, to tell her like it was so hard um and I just remember telling like I've told the story on the pod before but I just remember we're on a car ride and I was like stressed out of my mind um but I was like I just need to tell her and I just was like hey mom like you know I don't want to go to law school she's like okay and I said mom like I don't I I I, I can't like I don't want to go to law school and she's like John and she started to do it my mom be preaching sometimes and I said mom I just need you to like listen to me the, like I don't need you to say anything. I don't need you to tell anything. Is like I do not want to go to law school because I don't know. I don't think that that's something that like I've ever wanted to do. I feel like I've wasted four years of my life, and I have no idea what I'm going to do. I just know I don't want to do that. Um, and the thought of it like gives me crippling anxiety um, to study for the LSAT to do all this stuff. And it's not that I can't do it. It's just that like. I don't, I do I, this is not something I want to. And she, you know, she was like, you know, Jonathan, you could be a clown for all I care. I, I do not care. And I just remember the relief I felt, you know, just like hearing my mom say that. And then all of a sudden that's what started the journey, you know, almost 10 year journey of like figuring out <laughs> what the fuck do I want to do though? Like, what does Jonathan want to do? Cause I had never yes. really given the space to ask the question of what I wanted to do. Even when I went to, I got my master's degree, I was like, this is very fun. This is very interesting. Um, and I just told people I want to be a consultant, which I really did want to do, but I don't know. I didn't know the ins and outs of that. And I continued to bounce around from job to job. And very similarly to you, it's like something you said earlier of like when you find that thing that like almost feels like a calling or your purpose or like this is what I was like created. This is why I'm here. Not just because I'm good at it, but because like there is a feeling of home like this space of like what I'm doing feels so familiar it feels like I've been doing this all my life and probably in some respects I have been doing this all my life but I didn't know that I could do this for a living for work and it not necessarily it still feels it feels like work don't get me wrong like folks say that stupid thing of like you find something you love doing you never work a day in your life they're they're lying they're lying there's so many yeah this it's such bullshit um but it's like you know when i'm sitting here and i'm just like sitting with somebody and they just they just have this realization and they just never they were like i did not think of that at all and i and i just point something out 
and I just repeat back what they say. I'm just a mirror, a reflection of what they yes. say. Yeah, I'm like, you said that. I didn't do I didn't do anything. I'm just enjoying the view up on this balcony, fam. Um, <laughs> it is like, it is a, damn, like this is a, this is like a feeling. I literally love what I do. And I did not think I was going to be able to find that. I did not think I was going to be able to find it. Not in my 30s. I did not think, I, I had no idea when I was going to find it. But, um, but same, like I wouldn't trade the journey that I've been on because I probably wouldn't have been here. Like, I, I don't think I would have gotten here. Honestly, I don't think I would have. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, I think, especially once I got my ADHD diagnosis and I looked back, I was like, holy shit, everything in my life makes so much sense. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like, it's just like, oh, like, it just felt like someone took a filter off my life and I could see it clearly. And, you know, a lot of people talk about this moment when um, people get diagnosed as adults where you do have a moment where you like have to almost like mourn or grieve what your life could have been had you known this whole time. Yeah. Straight A student in college. Straight A right? student. So I yeah. definitely had my... Right. Like yeah. I definitely had my mom- moments where I was just like who could or would I have been had I known this whole time? And then I go back to what you just said of like, I don't think I would have been, I would have been here if my journey was different. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I agree with you. I, or I don't think that I would appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. I think that's actually more accurate. Yeah. Right. Like I think, I think I would have ended up here. Sure. But the deep appreciation I have for what I get to do, the people I get to meet, and the fact that I like finally have a place where I just like feel settled, I feel like I can be myself. Like in front of my clients, I'm like completely unmasked and mm-hmm. myself. And I just never, you know, and if I have if I'm not feeling well or whatever. I don't have to lie to them. I can just like tell them the truth and say like, can we reschedule or what, you know, and I give them the same grace. And I think I'm grateful for my journey for all of those reasons. Like for me to be able to be grateful for what I have, but also just have way more empathy and deep understanding of what my clients come to me with. Mm. You know, like I've my clients all the time will like, spew what's in their mind and then they'll be like I know it's ridiculous but and I'm just like it's not ridiculous and as a matter of fact like I just went through the same spiral myself yesterday it's not even like oh I went through that last year yeah we all go through it yeah but if I didn't have those experiences I wouldn't be able to have any sort of real empathy or compassion for other people going through it and I do think that that is what makes me good at what I do. And so for that, I'm thankful I went through it. Yeah. I'm reminded of this idea of like radical compassion. And I even like think of like radical self-compassion. Sometimes I give this exercise for my clients, but I I try and do it myself. It helped me in the beginning of my journey of like, not self-actualization, that's not the word, but I don't know, self-love and just like reframing Mm -hmm. of like how I see myself. And I, it's like literally looking in the mirror, saying all those things I need to hear about myself. Like, you are smart. You are worthy. You are very handsome. You are, you are happy. You are joyful. Like, I'm saying all these things out loud in a mirror. It's not some like, sometimes I, 
don't believe them. That's not true. Mm-hmm. It's it's sometimes hard to say out loud. And then when I say it and I see myself saying it, it's like, God damn, like I need to hear that. Sometimes I will like record something and I will like play it back some other time. Cause I'm like, what was I saying? I just mark it like play this when you feel down or something like that. And it's like me hyping myself up. Oh. Uh, and it's just like, yeah. oh my, and I, and I like forget about it. And I'm like, God damn, I need to do that. And sometimes it's like, a coach is fantastic to do that. But the it's the biggest aha moments are not the words that I develop and come up with and give my clients. The biggest aha moments are me saying to them, right? And reflecting back to them is like, yo, like I've been here. This is what helps me. And I really want you to try this practice. And we're going to do this practice right now. Like if you were coaching yourself, if you if you would give yourself advice, what would you say to yourself? And I'd be and I would just say back what they said and it's like God damn. Like the 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 <laughs> compassion that they're willing to show them when they like when they take themselves out of the out of the mm. equation and you know and because I've just seen what it did for me. Like it's just sometimes the our biggest like champions and cheerleaders and supporters and encouragers and you know it, it can really come from ourselves. It can come from within. And so I just like love this idea of like radical self-compassion, radical compassion. And like that being just like this in a coaching relationship can be so incredibly powerful. Um, uh, And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm having one of those ADHD moments where I started this and I don't know. (laughs) It's fine. I can, as two ADHDers, I think two ADHDers, like together is the best conversation because while one goes on a tangent, the other's tangent keeps them on track. So I remember where we were. So okay, no fantastic. I do not remember why I said that. <laughs> oh my God. Um, you got there because I said I was like grateful for the journey and my journey. And like, if I didn't experience it, I wouldn't have been able to have compassion and yes. for my clients. Yes. That's how you got there. Yes. So, and- okay. Thank you. So, <laughs> So this, yeah. this, okay, so the radical compassion piece comes in with like appreciating the journey, appreciating where you've been, um, shouting yourself out for, for what you've accomplished. I put accomplished, right? And I brought in the concept of what accomplished is. It's like you woke up, you're, you're breathing. And sometimes like folks are dealing with anxiety, depression. It's like the fact that you are up and you are like having this conversation with me, like that... Yes, yay you. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's just like you're continuing to move forward. And I think that there is something about that. Celebrating going back and bringing it full circle. Celebrating those small wins and those those little tiny, those those seemingly small wins and seemingly timing victories, but like really pointing and putting a spotlight on like how truly impo- powerful and impactful those things are to our daily lives. Um, and the journey that, and honoring the journey that you've been on and not like, not like shitting on your own journey. Like there's a, there's something about having this radical self-compassion with yourself too. There yeah. it is, full circle. I did it. I love that phrase, not shit. I you did it. All it takes <laughs> is two people with ADHD to get full circle. We, we we won't say that we go in the circle the whole time, but the circle gets made. It's uh, closed. And yeah, and like not shitting on your own journey and also while you were talking, I I think in visuals a lot, like visual analogies. Mm. And I just kept thinking that 
because I loved what you said that like the best part of coaching is when all you really do is like repeat back to what repeat back to them what they said just so that they can see it clearly or hear it clearly. Yeah. And um, I'm going to say this now so that I remember to use it later. But it just <laughs> makes me realize that like coaching is as if somebody's looking at themselves in like a funhouse mirror and you as a coach just come in and put in a regular mirror so they can yes. see themselves. Yes. Oh my God. That's such good right? energy. And to yeah. be like, oh, you thought you were looking in a mirror, but that was like a funhouse mirror. It was distorting the truth. Yes. Here's the real thing. Try again. And then they like they're still doing all the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's a really good analogy. And, yeah, and you know, I just I had those I had a couple of those moments with the client this morning, and she's like, "Oh, I just like needed to talk this out to realize it." And I'm like, "Yeah, I think we really underestimate the value of verbal processing and having an active listener who can like." pick out things that you said to repeat them back to you so that you can process them properly. Mm -hmm. And it is so useful and it can help you learn and realize so many things about yourself. Mm. Yeah. So that's my, I don't know if that was a tangent or whatever, but I had to, I was like, this visual is like really popping into my head and I have to say it out loud. Yeah. I like that. I I, I do. And it's, it's very, very true. Um, It's yeah. Coaches help you. I don't know. See the true reflections there that exist. They, they, yeah, even in a fun house. Um, amazing. Uh, let's be, what are you working on that you're excited to share with the world? I said working on, but it doesn't have to be something you're working on. It could literally just be something you're excited and you want to share it with the world. I don't, it doesn't have to be work related, but okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I have all these ideas like swirling in my head. I'm a recent idea that I think will come into fruition in the next couple of weeks is I'm trying to figure out a way to use my creativity to share like my coaching perspective and learnings. Mm. And I never even thought I would be somebody to do that because I never like identified as an artist, right? Because mm. I was, because I felt like I wasn't formally trained or like all of these things. But art helps me process, you know, like just now, like I had to get that visual out and I, and so I'm like building up the courage to add that as a way that I share insights and learnings. So mm. I'm excited about that. And then you know, I'm just like always excited to tell people that I have like coaching availability and I'm just looking for, to meet the next person that is going to teach me things. Because the my favorite thing about coaching is that we as coaches learn just as much from our clients. Yeah. And it's just like the perfect avenue to meet lots of different types of people and open your mind and give you more empathy and compassion. And so, yeah. Those are things I'm excited about. Amazing. Well, I have kept you long enough. This has been super fun. When you get to ADHD ears on a call, you never know what you're going to get, but I think we struck gold. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would love for you to just like, where can folks find you, connect with you, um, all those different things. Obviously, I'll put all the links in different 
whatnots that you share inside the show notes. But mm-hmm. just really want to give an opportunity to plug any and all things that you you got popping off for you. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Um, LinkedIn, Ashmi Patel. I would say that's the best place to find me. That's where I put all of the good stuff. My website, ashmipatel.com. So that'll have just all of the information about me, but like the different types of coaching packages and just my modalities. Um, And then if you are into Instagram, I'm also on there at ashmipatelcoaching. Thank you so much, Ashmi, for coming through, sharing your heart, your wisdom, your passion, your story with us. I loved it. And I'm sure everybody else did too. It was super fun. It got deeper than I thought it did, but that's always good. Uh, I have a tendency to do that uh, to folks. You know, just folks just get comfortable, you know, you know in my metaphorical uh, living room. You know what I'm saying? A dream, real quick. A dream of mine is to like, there is a spare room in our, not a spare room, it's our office. But like, I want to like set up like a, almost like a couch situation and just like chill and like have like a dedicated couch. And it's just highly visible with Jonathan. It's just like, you know interview folks in a cool like way just like figuring that piece out is it's just a lot of work and money i do not have uh, but that's the dream so if you want to fund the dream you know it got the patreon page. Uh-huh, yes. <laughs> yeah let's everyone let's get jonathan this couch okay yeah <laughs> couch 2024 i love it uh all right Ashley, thank you so much thank you so much sure.